RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Beans and our brand new host, who I am so excited to welcome. Can you hear it in my voice? Mike Opelka. Wow. You need to calm down, lady. <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Mike. Um, thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I did not sleep much last night just because it was like Christmas Eve and I was like a seven-year-old <laughs> hoping to get the the uh, machine that makes the creepy crawly animals. See? Well, the creepy crawly animals are all in our audience and they're here for you, Mike. It's good. That's very good. I'm excited today and I would like to um, put a Monday rule and it uh, comes from the character of Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Used to be a, a television show with Amy Poehler and a bunch of people like Chris Pratt started there and became then a megastar. Did you ever watch that show? I've never seen Parks and Rec, but I will I will note for everyone that you've gotten here and you're already making rules. So what is it? It's we need to apply a Swansonism to Mondays. Okay. And here is Ron Swanson himself to give it to us. Normally, if given a choice between doing something and nothing, I'd choose to do nothing. But I will do something if it helps someone else do nothing. I'd work all night if it meant nothing got done. There you go. That's my position today. All right. All right. I'm good with that. We'll help everyone else do nothing. How's that? In the midst of all of the madness around the world, the war that has broken out between Russia and its neighbor, its peaceful, quiet, independence-loving neighbor in Ukraine, I, I find that we have to have moments of laughter and ridiculousness in order to survive or, or we'll all start weeping openly. Like I, I watched that video, the young girl in the bomb shelter with all the families gathered and she sang that song from Frozen, Let It Go, in, in, in Russian or in Ukrainian. I, I think the languages are really similar. Uh, and I got to tell you, I was reaching for the tissues. Was that real or a propaganda campaign? Well, how does one know? I mean, we're seeing bodies uh, everywhere. We are seeing shelling. We are seeing reporters on the scene. If we want to, I'm using air quotes with my fingers. How do we know? Are you suspicious? Do you think there's actual um, fake news coming out about what's happening to the Ukrainian people? I I do. Yes. Um, Poland says there are a million Ukrainians who have crossed the border. Oh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised about that. So that's that's fake news. I don't think that the war is fake. I think that um, questioning questioning propaganda coming out from all sides, whether that's Russia or Ukraine, is is definitely a wise practice right now, because I don't feel like we're being told the truth about anything that's going on. But before we get into Russia talk, I do want to make you do this again and explain who the great Michael Pelka is for everybody. And then we're going to dive right back into this because this is a good topic. Well, the great Michael Pelka is a, a poor bastard who lives in Kansas and gets all my hate mail. 
and it just happens to share the same name as me. And I feel badly for him. I honestly, God, I've never met the guy. <laughs> I've seen him on internet. I reached out to him at one time to try and invite him on one of my radio shows in the past to apologize for all of the hate avalanche that hits him every time I touch a nerve among the wokesters because they find him. They don't find me. And I'm pretty much out there. But uh, who I am is the son of two incredible parents who are no longer with us, but they gave us um, eight, currently eight Opelka kids around the world. There were originally nine, but there are eight of us left, four boys and four girls. And I happen to be in the middle of the pack and probably in the middle of the achievement pack in my family. I come from remarkable stock and the people are remarkable themselves. So I, I've worked in the media pretty much since I escaped my unsupervised years of college. And um, that ended really in the in the early 80s. I stumbled into a job in entertainment media, in, in wacky morning zoos in Houston, Texas. And I did it by prank calling a radio station as Bill Murray. <laughs> and that launched me from... At the time, Tracy Beans, think about this. You know what executive search is, uh, recruiters, people that find um, high-level employees for companies? Yes. Okay, in 1982 or 83, I think it was 83, I had been with a company for about five years, and I was running three offices of executive search workers who found jobs for other people and connected people and companies. I was good at it. And I was good at corralling these 30 people and to doing their jobs. But I was absolutely bored to tears. I would go home and look for other distractions. And again, I was unsupervised, so I found them in many, many places, <laughs> places I should not have been looking. And so um, I was kind of wandering. And this one morning, listening to the Wacky Morning Zoo in Houston, Texas, during the, the Ghostbusters the the good one, the original one, yes. the Ghostbusters mania. I called the station on its birthday and saying happy birthday as Bill Murray. And uh, because people told me I sounded like Bill Murray, we came from the same part of Chicago. We're both one of nine children. We attended the same high school, albeit at different times. So there are regionalisms in any dialect that will print through. And I found it easy to sound like Bill Murray. And the next day, I ended up at the radio station pretending to be Mil Bill Murray on the biggest radio station in Houston and one of the highest radio stations, highest ranked radio stations in the country. And that springboarded me out of executive search work into radio and entertainment. Now, I'd studied it in college, so it wasn't a reach for me to think about going into the media. But that really pushed me into um, entertainment. I worked in uh, as a comedy provider for this group for a couple of years. I then was hired to run a music video network that challenged MTV for years until they bought us and shut us off. And then the Wacky Morning Zoo in New York City hired me. Yes, Scott and Shannon. I worked with Scott Shannon, Scott Michael Shannon, who if you are a talk radio listener on the conservative side of things and you've ever listened to Sean Hannity, uh, Scott Shannon's the guy, it's day 25, and yep. it's time for the Sean Hannity show. Uh, Shannon and I are still, we still communicate. We're still in touch, but he hired me 
to come be part of the Wacky Morning Zoo. And I was there for five years. Then I worked for Fox Television. I was employee number 12 at the FX network. I created television for FX, produced TV for them for uh, like five, four or five years. And then went back to radio at KTU, a station you know very well in New York City, a dance station. Yep. And then, then one day they eventually figured out I was a complete fraud and threw me out. Uh, that's not true. But uh, <laughs> I, I was at KTU, WKTU, but it's known as KTU, uh, a dance music station for 10 years. And the most important morning I was there was the morning of September 11th, 2001, when America was attacked. And that was my pivot point. That's when I made a conscious decision to change from crazy radio to getting into the news and information part of the world. And it took me a while to get it done full time. But I ended up going into radio and journalism full time. I ended up at theblaze.com. Uh, working there for almost seven years, six and a half years. I wrote 3,000 articles, hosted hundreds and hundreds of hours of radio, and uh, even hosted Glenn Beck's radio show a few times. How about that? Well, so- you, you, and then I met you because I was booked to do an interview with you once, and then we, we hit it off, and, and it's, been, it's been a honeymoon ever since. And so now the audience can understand, hopefully, why... I was, first of all, very shy to ask you to do this. But when you agreed, I was pretty much stunned. <laughs> but Tracy Beans and I had an instant connection. And you know it when you meet a person that you feel like you've known all your life. Yeah. And um, it's not it's nothing sexual. Although Tracy is Tracy's smoking hot. Oh, you know, geez. wow. Yeah. Yeah, Tracy's Tracy's um I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna get in trouble here. I'm a 30-year married man. But um Tracy's fun and smart and fearless. And if you've ever been around anyone who is fun, smart, and fearless, that in itself is a drug. And it is a fantastic drug because you you jump on board that ride and you you say, okay, let's go. Here we go. Yeah. Giddy up, baby. Here we are. Here we are. And I I was a fan of uh, UncoverDC.com, still am. And so I I appreciate people who are fearless and people who are pursuing the truth. One of the one of the crystallizing statements in my life popped out of my head when I was working with Montel Williams. Yes, I produced and hosted a radio show with Montel Williams before we got thrown off the air. We were at uh, Air America. Do you know what Air America was? No, there was a liberal radio network that attempted to be successful. It had Rachel Maddow, uh, who was that grabby senator from Minnesota, Al Franken. Oh, yeah. uh, Somebody named Randy Rhodes. I remember that now. Yes. Yeah. It was called Air America and was funded by these these really rich liberals who live in Vermont. And they're friends of Bernie Sanders, you know, the guy who lo- he hates the billionaires and billionaires, but now he just hates the billionaires because he's a millionaire himself. But they were funded by friends of Bernie and they were hemorrhaging cash. Nobody was listening. And so I got a phone call from a friend of mine who said, hey, you want to come in and create a show with Montel Williams at Air America? I said, are you kidding me? Air America? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Montel's a Republican. 
And we want to create a, a middle-of-the-road talk show. I didn't know Montel Williams was Republican. He is. I think he's denounced it. I think he burned his GOP card. At no, one. no, no, no. He's just afraid. It's okay. And, yeah, well, we'll bring him back. But uh, so I met with Montel, and, and we hit it off. Not quite like you and I hit it off. And we started doing a show called um, Montel Across America. And one day we were having an argument about about Obamacare because Obamacare was being bandied about at the time and he was yelling something at me and I was yelling back at him and he was saying uh, what, what, what are you saying something about the truth and I said Montel the truth has no agenda mm. he stopped he stopped talking to get Montel Williams to stop talking that's like trying to get me to stop talking and uh, he said that needs to be on a t-shirt and the next day I had T-shirts made that said the truth has no agenda. And um, let's just say that my first year at the Blaze, Glenn Beck liked that phrase so much. He asked if he could sell T-shirts on his network. And um, I made enough money off my half of the profits to buy a, my Tesla. Wow. So um, Come up with a slogan for us. <laughs> trust me. You know, light, lightning doesn't always hit like that every day. Uh, and the late Andy Warhol said, genius doesn't work on an assembly line basis. You can't wake up and say, today I will be brilliant. But you have to be aware when it does happen and you have to grab it. I, I have always learned so much from you. And that's why I'm excited about this little venture that we're starting here, because I... Honestly, I don't know if you know this, but I kind of decided, I said to Will, my husband last night, I was like, I got tired of reading lies everywhere, knew I could do it better and declared that I was now going to be an investigative journalist. And I did. And, and then I declared, I need to get on the microphone because I have so many things that I need to say and I need someone to listen to them, hopefully. And here I am. But I have no formal training in, in radio or, or you know, I, I did some journalism classes and went to college and took some stuff. But I have, I'm not like, you know, a credentialed journalist from any major institution. So I'm going to learn a lot from you, Mike. You've, you've done a lot in your life that I'm very, I'm very, I'm in awe of, to be honest. I don't know why. I'm just old. That's all. I, I've been many places and I kept my eyes open. And uh, for a while, I kept my mouth shut until the opportunity presented itself. And it's like I say about about this. And I'm not going to drag us into the war thing yet, but about what's going on anywhere in the world. If you see something going on, if God has given you a voice, it is incumbent upon you to use it. Just make sure you're bringing truth and not obfuscating truth and not spreading fake news. Amen. And, and you just have to make sure that the the um, I, I know I'm I'm all over the place in references, but um, what the the Greek definition of love is look for good. So if you look for good in every story and every every presentation you make and try and bring that forward, your intent will be pure mm -hmm. and. The Zen people tell us to react to the intent. So I am I, I, wondering. I know I'm having ADD moments like, like gunfire. We've got an hour of free flow conversation. And I tell this, you know, Frank, when he used to sit down, never knew what we were going to talk about. And sometimes I didn't either because that's the best for people. It, it's when it goes. It just goes on its own and people enjoy it. And I don't know if you are willing to tell the story about Regis or not, but 
I think that it would really make people understand because that's exactly how I think about it. Well, yeah, the Regis Philbin, the late Regis Philbin was um, somebody I looked up to as a as a broadcaster because a his career was remarkable and it also followed some pretty fantastic strokes of luck being in the right place at the right time. He was the uh, second voice to Joey Bishop when Joey Bishop, the late Joey Bishop, had a had a TV show and Bishop walked off and Regis just stepped in. It's kind of like uh, Wally Pip getting sick. And then suddenly Lou Gehrig <laughs> takes his place and never relinquishes it. And that launched Regis onto where he ended up being this huge star. And it was Regis and Kathy Lee in daytime television before Kathy Lee retired. Then it was Regis and Kelly. And one of the things that Regis stayed with all of his life, because I ran into him in um, in New York when I was doing wacky morning zoo stuff, he would be a guest or you'd, we'd do a charity softball game. And I got in trouble for yelling at Kathy Lee because she didn't bend down enough to get a ground ball when we're playing softball. And I'm, I'm yelling, sure that's hey, what it was. <laughs> I, well, I yell, put your butt down, lower your butt if you're going to get a ground ball. And somebody comes over and grabs him by, by the arm because you cannot yell, get your butt down. And it's Gifford. <laughs> I said, well, she let the ball go right between her legs. And if she had just lowered her butt, the ball would have gotten. And they said, you cannot yell, get your butt down. <laughs> So I had to stop that. I've been I've been um, yelled at in many public places by many important people. So but, you know, talking to Regis and Regis explained one of the principles of the show is that they didn't set stuff up. You know, they didn't have a meeting before the show for an hour and go, well, we're going to Gelman, what are we going to talk about? And he'd say, well, Regis, we have this story about uh, Ukraine and this kid singing in a bunker. Ah. Great. And they didn't set up. Well, Kathy Lee, you will cry. Get the get the tissues out. Can we see the video so we'll know where she'll cry? He said none of that. He would say, don't tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> Save it. <laughs> I want it to be fresh. And so he was a guy who he was aware he had his own knowledge base. And he was also this is the brilliance. He trusted his his co-host that they were going to be good improvisational performers. And I, you have a natural improvisational ability that is on par with some of the great improv people I've witnessed. Wow. Growing up in Chicago, we used to go to Second City as kids. And um, I don't know if you've ever been to that improvisational theater or any. It is just amazing to watch a real improv troupe work. I used to love... The whose line is it anyway? Yeah, but that was TV, and I think they I kind of think they cheated with no. the right. The old do. the old British version? Oh, maybe, maybe. But the improvisation relies on um a couple of principles. And there's there's a great book out from the people who who um were behind Second City in Chicago. It's called Yes And. That's the title. Okay. Yes and. And what it refers to is the rule of great improvisation is never deny the reality and don't stop the bit. Hmm. So if somebody comes in and goes, hey, what do you think of these grapefruit? The worst thing you can do is go, ah, oh, that's not a grapefruit. That's a that's a rock. And you've suddenly killed whatever reality that person brought in. Ah, so that's fun. 
when you watch Regis and Kelly or Re- if you've seen any of the old Regis and whatever, the real great improvisation trust that the person who tees you up is either going to save you or push you forward. And that's what I feel you have as well. Because you, you've never been afraid. It's that twinkle in your eye. When we sat across from each other at CPAC, it's that twinkle in your eye that I know. I know you've got two in the chamber waiting <laughs> in case I misfire. That you're going to take a shot. And if that one misses, you've got another one. And therein lies the beauty of that understanding, that trust that has to be there with the team. And I know I'm rambling. Sorry. No, this is great. I'm actually feeling really good about myself right now. <laughs> Well, you should. You're smart, and you're also you're also confident enough in your own ability and your own knowledge base to know that if you get put, pointed to a corner or pushed into a corner, even though nobody puts Tracy in a corner, nobody puts baby in a corner, or Tracy either, uh, that you can get yourself out of it. And that is that is one of the greatest things. A lot of people aren't confident in in themselves, in their brain, in their ability to put a sentence together. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. So you watch people today. Some do it with words on paper. You know, and some, some can do it speaking and uh, both are as powerful as the other. This is this is fantastic. I I love you. I'm glad that we're doing this while Frank takes his his, you know, his little his break and does our Friday show with us. I, I like I, I never looked at it that way, Mike. I'm like, I'm kind of blushing right now, to be honest. I am. Well, yeah, you, you have to understand you you have you have the required humility and you got that from being a parent. Mm. Oh, that that brings you into a new reality. I don't have that. So I repeatedly run myself into a wall because I'm overconfident in some areas, but you have the humility required. I also have fallen down enough to know that at any moment all of this could end. At any moment all of this this could end. I've told you the story of the carjacking on the worst first date ever in the history of the world. I don't think I've ever heard that one. Okay. Uh, In the unsupervised era, when I was uh, in Houston, Texas, working for the executive search firm and hating my job, but having a lot of good times in my free time, uh, I went to a Monday night football game that was on Thursday night. Then it was kind of strange for that to happen. The Houston Oilers were playing somebody on a Thursday night in December. And I'd finally been successful in, in my job. It was uh, the initial part of my job in the first year out of college. It was 1980. Um, um, just side note for the audience. I was born in 1980. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm attending the Monday Night Football game where everybody met at the local watering hole, a place in Houston called Griff's. And it, I used to get mail there. That's how often I was there. Oh. Um, so I'm attending this football game with a bunch of people who bought tickets on a bus so you wouldn't have to worry about drinking or driving. Go to the stadium. You'll just drink there and then come back and they'll drop you off at your car, which made no sense. But anyway, I had a date and it was with a young lady I had briefly met. And I thought, this is somebody I want to know better. And she had just gotten to town three days before I said, well, let me take you to an Oilers game and we'll go. It's Thursday night. It was a good time. We had a great time. We get back to um, the car at Griff's and I'm driving her home to the apartment where she's staying on the couch at her sister and her brother-in-law's place. 
And it's uh, probably 12 midnight or 12.30, December 18th or 19th. The day is fuzzy. And we pull into the parking lot in this massive apartment complex, standard apartment complex, uncovered parking right in front of you, wall of apartments. And I said, uh, uh, this good? And she goes, yeah, we can just walk up. You can just walk me up to the door. I had no idea where the door, which apartment she was in. No idea. As I turned the car off, the passenger door flew open and a, a man jumped into the car, pressed her against the seat, put a gun to my nose and yelled, freeze, mother. Oh, my gosh. And now it's December and it's cold in Houston. It wasn't freezing because it's not Chicago, for God's sakes, but it was cold. He had a uh, ski mask on and this gun is literally pressed to my nose. And he yells, get out the car, get out the car. And so I proceed to get out the car and he climbs behind me over the passenger, climbs behind me, holding the gun to the back of my head as I'm walking. And he walks me up to a tree and it was about 30 feet to the tree. And I see it today as if it were yesterday. And I remember in my head thinking, is this it? Is this how it ends? Seriously, God, is this how it ends? And I also was saying, no one's seen you. No one knows who you are. Just take the car and go. Just go. Nobody knows you. And he's going, shut the up. Uh huh. Over and over again. The gun is now pressing the back of my head at the base of my neck. And I've got my hands against the tree. And I'm thinking, okay, this is it. He reaches up. He takes the glasses off my face. He takes my wallet out of my pocket. He takes my watch off my hand. It was the only thing of value I had. My sister gave me a gold watch when I graduated high school. And she had she had bought the gold watch for a boyfriend who broke up with her. So I was the beneficiary of that breakup. But so I'm standing there now. He took my shoes, my glasses, my wallet, my watch. I'm, I'm blind standing in the middle of this miniature parking lot. It's, it's after midnight. And this all happens in a matter of probably 10 seconds. Just 10 seconds. I'm, and I'm glued. I, <laughs> what happens next? Mike? He runs back, jumps in the driver's seat of the car, shuts the door and starts the car. And he's holding the gun to the, her, to the girl and drives off. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Where was she? Why did she stay in the car? Uh, it was seconds. Oh, okay. It literally was very, a br- very brief moment. And, and that's not something I have knowledge of. And as he's driving away, I'm now freaking out. And I start knocking on doors, pounding on doors, trying to get some, help me, help me, help me. Third, fourth door I hit opened up. It was her sister and brother-in-law. I had no idea. I never met him. Didn't know where the apartment was. I said, my car's just been taken away from me. My date is inside. And the woman goes, is she blonde? Is her name? And I said, yes. And she goes, my sister. And I said, this guy took the car at gunpoint. He drove off. And so I grabbed the phone. They handed me the phone. And I'm dialing 911. It's busy. Mm. They don't have 911 in 1980, whatever it was. What did I say? 1980 in Houston. What? They didn't have it then. Think about it. What? Yeah. So he called the cops, dialed zero, got the cops, told them what was going on. They said, okay, send somebody over. Now, here's what happened. The guy drove two blocks away into another apartment complex, 
pulled the car into the parking lot, pointed the gun at the girl and said, take off your clothes and get in the back seat. And she looked at him and said, you're going to have to kill me. Whoa. He took his hand, right hand with the pistol and hit her across the face. And um, she recoiled. And as he did that, she was shoved up against the door and her hand grabbed the door handle, opened the door and she started to fall out. (sighs) He dropped the gun on the floorboard of the passenger side and went went to grab her, grabbed her hair and pulled her back into the car. As she's being pulled back into the car, her hand reaches down and grabs the gun. You've, you've got to be kidding me. I'm not kidding you. I am not kidding you. As she's grabbing the gun, he grabs the gun, shoves her out the door and drives off. Oh, my God. Now she's doing what I'm doing, knocking on doors, screaming, help, help. The HPD, Houston Police Department, got two phone calls in the same time. Wow. They sent two units over. They brought her over to see her sister. Where you were. Where I was. And then I went through a process of trying to identify the guy. She had a bruise on her, like a black eye from where he hit her in the face, but nothing else, thank God. And uh, she happened to be a 911 operator from Pennsylvania. (laughs) She was a crisis counselor. Wow. So somebody who had the knowledge to think what she was going to say. It's. um, Wow. And so you're standing there in that moment thinking that it's all over. That's it. I'm thinking it's done, but it wasn't done. God had bigger plans. So I ended up spending the next couple of nights not sleeping because I had no ID. I had, and on on top of it all, to be as shallow as I am, I had finally been a little bit of success. Under the compartment in my very back of my car were like seven Christmas presents I had brought to bring home. I bought and wrapped to bring home to family. And all of that, that and my my suits, three suits that I owned were going to the dry cleaner the next day too. And I'm thinking, I got nothing. I really got nothing. My roommate came and got me. And uh, the next day, I literally didn't sleep for about 48 hours. The next day, um, I'm walking around like a zombie. And this girl called me and said she was going back to Pennsylvania. She couldn't live in this place. So she went, she went back home. I never wow. heard again. Uh, two weeks later, the uh, HPD called me and they said they found my car and it was destroyed. This guy just absolutely destroyed my crappy little Ford Fiesta. Uh, and, and she then, um, they also said they're still looking for the guy. Two weeks after that, they caught the guy. Here's what he would do. He would go to apartment parking lots, find a late at night, find an empty space next to uh, parked cars. And he would crawl under the parked car. And when somebody pulled in, he'd jump out and rob them. Wow. And this was the first time that he had actually carjacked anyone. So I was carjacked in 1980. And I realized um, I'm kind of living on borrowed time. (laughs) But I'm happy that I'm here. Wow. Yeah. That is some story. I got carjacked once, too. No way. It's dead serious. Are you all right? Yeah. Yeah, I got carjacked in New York City outside of the Copacabana. In New York City? Yes. On the east side? Yeah, I got, I was with um, three other gentlemen and 
they were there were two gentlemen in the other car, not gentlemen, criminals who were messing with the gentleman in the car that I was in. And it ended up escalating to a fight. We all got out of the car. The one kid who ended up stealing the car that we were in beat me up and then jumped in the car and drove off. Jeez. <laughs> that was, yeah. Now, was this during your, your previous life as a, as a um, singer? Yes. Indeed it was. Have you explained that that portion of your life? Not really. I haven't gotten into it with everybody. No. Whenever you want to break out in song or tell me to <laughs> shut up because I couldn't carry a tune in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> no, I was when I was younger in my my 20s, I was a, I sang dance music, which is why Mike and I have this like sort of weird connection that came up way after we met each other because I had a song played on late night KTU where he was working and I knew Goomba Johnny who was also <laughs> working with Mike. You should bring him in one time. Go- Goomba Johnny is a comedian and you might guess he's Italian. He is indeed. <laughs> is he still around? I haven't seen him in a long time. Yes, Goomba is doing a lot of touring. He said pretty much the rest of the year is booked for him. Wow. And then another weird, the only other experience I've ever had before doing all of this in radio is I was on with Boomer and Carton, Mike. Wow. I was in studio with Boomer and Carton for a show. Hmm. And and how did how did you end up with Boomer and Carton? And is Carton back on the radio? He, he was involved in a bit of a scandal. He is, and I love him so much. He's fantastic. I was a sports buff. I mean sports buff. I used to beat all of my my husband's friends in fantasy football. Like I was a sports buff, baseball, football, everything. I knew everything. It was like like I know no politics, I knew sports, Mike. Not anymore. No? No. I don't give a crap about sports. I used to. We'll change that. You have to give a crap about tennis. Well, I mean, I used to go to the Open all the time at Arthur Ashe in Queens. Oh, maybe we'll go back to the... Maybe uh, we will. Billie Jean King. Who's the, who's the other person who's non-tennis related to that center? It's... Uh, uh, is it Ray Charles? No. There's one other person who's related. Uh, I don't it's, remember, but I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, it's, well, we'll talk tennis you know, because my nephew is um, the highest ranked American male tennis player in the world right now. Speaking of tennis, Mike, I think you have a clip that will wind us right back into Ukraine. What? I, think you have, I have a tennis clip? I think you have a tennis clip, Mike. I mean basketball. It's a basketball clip, Mike. <laughs> I have a basketball clip? Yeah. You I, do. You you got to I am told I have to admit I'm totally clueless. I have no idea what you're talking Maybe about. Maybe it's not a clip. Maybe it's a story of a basketball player who was taken by the Russians. <laughs> Thank you cuz I'm going to I have a clip. Yeah, I'm I'm stunned by this. Uh we have an American who's currently being held by the Russians and uh she is a uh, two-time Olympic gold medal winner, a seven-time NBA WNBA champion or all-star, not champion, seven-time WNBA all-star, and uh, she is now under lock and key and could face up to 10 years for drug trafficking because she was stopped at customs by the Russians who said that she has a vape pen and some cartridges which have, um, I guess... They call it hemp oil. Yeah, hash oil. oil. 
in them. And it's used for uh, usually for pain or relaxation. And while I'm not a big proponent of recreational marijuana, I'm a gigantic proponent of medical marijuana. So they took her and now she's basically prisoner in, in Russia. Now, I don't I don't think that the Biden administration I think the Biden administration will seize this moment and she'll be out forthwith if things go the way that, you know, the world pretends they go. But she's still there. Yeah, she's still there. And she was arrested about a week ago. And um, nobody said anything because this was all kind of pushed off to the side, which really surprises me. But that just tells you how distracted we are. But I I was really surprised by this story. And I was um, I I was reading the the account from uh, this this woman's wife. She's yes, she happens to be a a person who lives a a different lifestyle than than uh, heterosexual people. She has a wife. And not shocking when you think of the WNBA or American women's soccer, there happens to be a lot of women, pro sports and top level sports folks who are part of the LGBTQRSTUV team. And so um, she's an American and we should be fighting every step of the way to get her free. Yeah. And and I agree with you. And I think that back to the propaganda talk, this is going to be another thing that if the PR people on the Biden team are wise, they would use in the media. That's just the way I see it. And I I think that when I talk about um, propaganda coming out or is that video real, I didn't mean to say, Mike, that 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 actual thing didn't happen. I mean to say, was it staged or was an actual organic happening that somebody happened to be in a bomb shelter recording this young Ukrainian girl singing Let It Go from Frozen? Um, I just feel like we're being lied to about a lot of things. Like I'm seeing, and you can't believe this either, I'm seeing people sharing stories of their supposed friends in Ukraine who are saying it's actually not all Russian troops. It's actually a lot of Ukrainian troops who are acting like they're Russian troops to make it look like Russia is in there doing all these things they're not doing. The story about the nuclear reactor from the other day that started out, oh my gosh, there's a nuclear leak. It's Chernobyl times 10. The Ukrainians are screaming and it ends up being a training building off campus that was hit with both, with a gunfire. Last night, there was another nuclear facility that they said was hit and it was another Chernobyl that turned out to not be the case. So what in the world is actually true? Did you get a chance to read the Lee Smith column? I did not. Okay, fair enough. But let let me just make one quick statement. Sure. This is why you read the headline and you look for verification. This is why you look for a second or third source to verify whatever truth is being foisted upon you to make sure it's truth. Well, that used to work when we had an honest non-state-run media. But I would argue now that doesn't work anymore because they all say the same thing. They do. And now I was looking quickly to see if I had that clip. Remember that that montage of all those news anchors? Yes. Who were repeating the same thing? Yeah, that that's true. I think we're, I hate to say this, but the reality of a war is going to force journalism to the front because all these people want to be the first one to get the story. So they're all they're not all going to just repeat. There will be some stuff that is repeated that they all jump on board. 
But we're going to have uh, because everybody wants to sit down with Zelensky and everybody wants to get that one moment or everybody wants to be there with their helmet and flak jacket, which I'm kind of amazed they're not wearing the helmet and flak jackets now, even though the bombing's supposed to be more intense. Uh, but that that makes me wonder, you know, is wag the doggy thing. There's a lot to wonder about. I mean, when the Weather Channel has to fake floods in hurricane zones, you have to stop and sit and scratch your head a little bit. I, I just none of we had this thing on. We did this on Friday where we kind of went through. We listened to a perspective from Ukraine and we listened to a perspective from Russia. And like, I just don't. The one thing. I don't usually talk about things, Mike, unless I know what I'm talking about and I can actually bring something to the table. Like I won't regurgitate talking points that other people have said. I want to stand on my own two feet on a topic and know what I'm what I'm saying is true. Right. Like you said in the beginning of the show, I can't do that right now. I feel like I'm in a dark room with my arms out wandering around trying to find the walls because everybody's agreeing and it doesn't. It doesn't sit well with me when everybody agrees. Well, here's something that is bothering me, and maybe you can direct me to um, either a better answer or some understanding. We have the president of Ukraine, Vladimir, uh, what's his name, Uh, Zelensky. And he is allegedly targeted for death by Russian hit squads, and they've got Chechens in there, and there have been several attempts on his life, right? And he speaks he speaks to um, American president and French president. Demanding things the whole way. Yeah, he wants stuff, uh, better, better equipment, et cetera. And then we have the previous president of Ukraine, Mr. Poroshenko. Mm. He's walking around Kiev with his winter coat on, no helmet, no flak jacket, talking to any network that will talk to him. Why... Why is the former president comfortable in walking around the streets of Kiev, which I am going to keep calling Kiev. And not Kiev. Not, not Kiev. It's always going to be chicken Kiev. It's not going to be chicken Kiev. I'm not doing that. Um, and uh, that's an homage to uh, Walter Cronkite, another person you're probably going to say, I wasn't born when he was around. I know Walter Cronkite. Okay. Cronkite dressed down a viewer who wrote him a letter one time when we were having discussions about a military junta in another part of the world and uh, a, a leadership, I think Central or South America, and they had a military junta installed. And they said, why don't you call it a junta? Why do you keep calling it a junta? And Walter Cronkite, at the end of the evening news on CBS, read this letter, read the person's name and said, let me tell you something. We don't say Paris, we say Paris. Mm. I won't be saying junta, I'll be saying junta. I wonder what he would have done with ISIS. Would he have called it ISIL? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I, I take you off track. So um, I, I just wonder, why is uh, Zelensky in a bunker with non-identifiable backgrounds when we have the former president... Potoshenko walking around like, hey, nothing going on here. I'm sure there's a couple of buildings that got hit. But why is he so comfortable? There's a, couple, he- there's a couple reasons, I think. Okay, fire away. So number one, you remember how Zelensky got into office in the first place. He was a, he was a comedian. You know this. Yeah, well, let's talk about Ronald Reagan. He also won Dancing with the Stars in Ukraine, too. I don't know if you know that. Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump, 
AOC, it's all it's all the same depending on your skill level. At least Donald Trump was a was a businessman before he was a television star, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Ronald Reagan, I get it. He turned out to be one of the greatest presidents of all time. However, I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just saying it's 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 a very weird transition to power. Like he won, I believe that the percentage of the people that voted for him in Ukraine was like off the charts. And he and Donald Trump supposedly had this sort of camaraderie because they all kind of rose to the same uh, in the same way. And and during the leaked the transcript that was, you know, doled out during the impeachment, we saw Zelensky say to Donald Trump, like, hey, you know, I, I kind of just like you, the Ukrainian put, people put me here. But then we start to see now photos coming out of, of him and, and, and uh, Trudeau. How would you say Trudeau without saying it the French way? Oh, you got to say Trudeau. It's his name. You can't but, say yeah. Trudeau. Well, there's no X at the end. There is no X, right. No, it's, it's Trudeau. But it's Trudeau is how it's correctly pronounced. Fine. Trudeau. But they're all, they're all, it, I just, I wonder, because I've, I've seen a lot of pieces written l- lately about what Zelensky actually did to harm Donald Trump by staying in the middle. And that brings me back to this um, Ukraine piece that, that Lee Smith wrote over the weekend that is just... It's just perfect because what does it do? It brings back in the whole impeachment fiasco. Ukraine has been a thing for the past seven years here in the States. They were behind a lot of the Russiagate scandal. Mike, I don't know if you know this. Do you know this? Um, I, I knew Ukraine was interwoven in Russiagate. And I, I assumed it's because of the deep connections between the Democratic Party, uh, namely the Biden family, the Biden crime family, and Ukraine. Yes. And, you know, Alexandra Chalupa, who was from the DNC, this is how the whole Manafort thing came with the black book that Manafort supposedly had. Manafort was very involved in Ukraine as well. And so it started back then and it kind of wove its way through. And we have this cast of characters who has been around through all these scandals. One in particular, Fiona Hill, she testified at the impeachment of Donald Trump. She also worked very closely with Christopher Steele. You see how the parallels are starting to show themselves. Now, Trump had zero, zero uh, desire to hide the corruption that had been going on in Ukraine. Soros has, geez, almost all of his NGOs headquartered in Ukraine, we have we have even even McCain and Graham and all of them. Ukraine was like their city on a hill, their their place where they did everything. And this Lee Smith column just loops it all together. It talks about what happened in 2016. It talks about the CIA involvement and how Brennan was involved over there. It talks about how Israel um, is different than Ukraine because Ukraine is sort of like a. Uh, they had a, a, a choice, Mike, of which direction they were going to go in, right? Were they going to be the lapdog of the United States and the West and and sort of the global power structure? Or were they going to stand on their own two feet and become an actual free state as they claimed they wanted to? And just seeing this history coming through and the way that Lee Smith intertwined all of this was something else. It says here, in order to cover up for what the Bidens and perhaps other senior Obama officials had done in Ukraine, a Democratic Congress impeached Trump for trying to figure out what American policymakers had been doing in Ukraine over the past decade. 
As for the Ukrainians, they again put themselves in the middle of it when they should have stayed home. The end result was that the Ukrainians had helped weaken an American president who, unlike Obama, gave them arms to defend themselves against the Russians. And more seriously, they reinforced Putin's view that, especially in partnership with the Democrats, Ukraine didn't understand its true place in the world as a buffer state and would continue to allow themselves to be used as an instrument by policymakers whose combination of narcissism and fecklessness made them particularly prone to dangerous miscalculations. And in comes Biden. I just I I just there's so much more going on here than Russia came in to take over Ukraine. It's just too big. It's too much bigger. I- well, this this Lee Smith story, which is in tabletmag.com, you can read it yourself as well. It's it's um, it's very very well researched and put together. Should be read in tandem, I believe, with something in the Pandora Papers. Mm. And I know if you read the Pandora Papers, which makes a big stinking deal about Zelensky's rise to power and how he pledged to clean up the country. Uh, but it doesn't really sound like he did too much. No, and it's interesting that Pandora is coming out with this because you would think, given the sort of establishment-like nature of how they release things, in my opinion, they're another one of those, like, almost like, uh, what is it called? Not Pandora. Anonymous? No, it, there's another organization that leaks financial documents and stuff like that or has put it all together. And I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. You can go in there and type someone's. It's almost like open secrets, but it's not. You yeah. can type in someone's name and it'll show you the, the web of their like financial dealings all over the world and all kinds of stuff. But I'm surprised they're doing a hit piece on Zelenko when it seems Zelensky. I always say Zelenko because of the doctor. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. Uh, you know, the guy over in Ukraine. Yeah. The no. comedian who's now in charge. Who is, his? Is by the way, I don't know if you saw him, we're jumping a little bit here, but did you see that one of his negotiators was, uh, was assassinated? I did not see that. When did that happen? It happened just yesterday, I believe. One of his, the people that was negotiating peace on their behalf was, was assassinated by the team around Zelensky. So one of their own people took him out. Yeah. That's never good. No. Never good when somebody on the negotiation team takes out one of the people negotiating. That's a really bad sign. Uh, Is is Ukraine and its government innocent? No. You know, you can go state to state in this country and find find bad folks inside the halls of government because there are a lot of people who take advantage of things. But is it right for Russia to just say, "Okay, we're taking this back? Did you read the list of demands that Russia put out this morning? No, I didn't. But I will tell you this. When you think about the whole NATO mess, if you were Russia, what would you be doing right now? Not buying a lot of arms. If, if, and then and then the whole other topic that we're not even getting to is what MasterCard and Visa and Netflix and McDonald's and the corporate the corporate takedown of Russia, in quotes, that is obviously very quickly trickling down to their subsidiary citizens who are living there who can't use their debit cards because they have a MasterCard logo or a Visa logo on them anymore. So now Russia's turning to the Chinese banks, which it seems like it's almost by design. Why not make China stronger by giving them Russian financial control? I mean, seriously. So 
And, and if you think for a second, they won't do that here. They've banned me from PayPal and Venmo. So and, and Patreon and, and a lot of other payment processors outside of the main ones. So what place do, does does do corporations have in this global conflict? And, and you know, how is this change? It, it's, it's a propaganda war and an electronic war at this point. I think that the rest of the world is waging on Russia. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I do see that this um, the the word of the day that's being used on many news outlets is will the sanctions boomerang on America? And it does look like China has stepped up and said, oh, you don't have any credit card processing companies. Our bank can handle that. Get your China Express card. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, American Express says don't leave home without it. China Express says don't leave home ever. No, but that China uh, today affirmed the relationship with Russia and has called for negotiations to end the war. And then, golly, Bob, how do you looky here? The Kremlin provided a list of things that it demands from Ukraine to end the war. And included in the list uh, is, um, number one, of course, setting down all their arms, changing its constitution to ensure neutrality acknowledge Crimea as Russian territory, recognize those two republics, Donbass and the other one I can't pronounce, and nowhere in it does it say the Russian military will leave. It just says, you got to put your gun down and you have to acknowledge all the stuff we've taken. So I'm sure that's going to be rejected outwardly. But the, the China-Russia thing is just two parts of this. The other connection has to be Iran in this. Well, yes. And if you know anything about what's going on with our negotiations in Iran, we had three of those people quit because of how disgusting the deal is and how they're saying that it's harming America's national security the way that they're handling it. Did you see that? And there is, in addition to those guys quitting, a Russian is negotiating a deal with us. So. Uh, There is a new axis of true evil, and they have designs on beyond Ukraine. Aren't we participating in it, though? Like, this is the thing. On one hand, we're saying, you know, oh, bad Russia. On the other hand, we're still buying energy from them. We're still participating with them and letting them run this huge, most, I, I think it's one of the most impactful you know, things that we have going on now in foreign policy with Iran. Iran, 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 Iran. And we're still sitting back and doing all that, all while we have a pipeline running right through our country that could render us back to to energy independence. And I'm sorry, but the 3% progressives are not that powerful in this country, and the Biden administration knows it. So when you have, you know, Elon Musk coming out and saying, guys, I think we really need to jack up the oil production right now in this country, you know that there's something to be looking at here. Well, the guy who makes electric cars wants more gas and oil. Yeah. Because he sees what the hell's going on. Just let that sink in, people. Let let that go. The other thing to keep an eye on here with the uh, axis of evil with Russia and China and Iran is that before this war happened, we all know that Russia and China had a deal for Russia not to fire a shot until after the Olympics. But China also committed to buy a crap ton of coal from Russia because Mm -hmm. they need coal because they have all these power plants, coal-fired power plants. Of the 25 dirtiest cities in the country, air-wise, of, uh, of the list of large cities in the world, 
that are big polluters because of uh, burning oil and coal, China has 23 of the top 25. Guess how many American cities are in the zero? Yeah, zero. Two of them are Russian. So 23 cities, China, and they're all there for burning coal so they can provide energy to their billions of people who are all, all socially credit scored and allowed to live their lives based on how they perform all according to the communist code of ethics while they rape and kill Uyghurs in an ethnic genocide in order to make sneakers for LeBron James. And we're not hearing anything about that, are we? No, no. And I, I'm amazed that these companies like American Express, MasterCard and Visa and Apple have stood up and said, you know, we're not going to do this anymore, Russia, but they're still silent on the Uyghurs. Not yeah. a word. You have to think about why that is and why did it come in right as the COVID uh, crisis was backfiring in spectacular fashion around the world and why I'm just asking questions here and why now is it are all of these people in lockstep that never agree on anything with Ukrainian flags on their profile pictures and on their garages and on their mailboxes and why is Nassau County, Long Island, Mike, doing a support Ukraine gun drive Huh, so they, they're they okay with automatic weapons in the hands of Ukrainian citizens, but they don't want semi-automatic weapons in the hands of Americans who passed a background check. This is what it says on this, and, and this is where we're going to have to end it for today, but this is what it says. This is literally from the, the, the county commissioner in Nassau County, Long Island. Ready? Yes. Just watching the Ukrainian residents making Molotov cocktails in a brewery out of beer bottles shows they're in a desperate fight and we can't stand by and do nothing. As President Zelensky said, he doesn't need a ride, he needs weapons. We assist. We're collecting hunting rifles and civilianized military-style semi-automatic weapons. Wait, that was Suffolk County or Nassau? Or, uh, Nassau. Nassau County. Which- Come bring your gun to us. We'll send it to the Ukraine. It's seriously... Trust us, we'll get it right to the hands of an untrained, unchecked Ukrainian who just wants to protect themselves, do the right thing. Was it Nassau County or was it Suffolk that had streets named after famous Nazis? I didn't know either of those things. Oh, you did. Look that up before we get together on Wednesday. And you also, I know you're trying to wrap us up here. I oh, didn't. it's okay. We have plenty of time. You, you uh, wanted me, the, the, the chainsaw. The chainsaw? You wanted me to ask you about the chainsaw. Oh, the origin of the chainsaw. Do you know why we have chainsaws? No. Why, Mike? Now, um, was your child born naturally? Yes. Natural birth. You didn't have the cesarean section. Right. Both of them were natural. Yes. You have two children. I only knew about Helga. (laughs) There's William, too. Oh, Billy boy. Billy and Helga. Yep. Uh, The chainsaw was invented... To help with birth. <laughs> I kid you not. Look at the origin of the chainsaw. To put it up, if you put it in Al Gore's amazing internet, uh, you will find the original purpose of the chainsaw was <gasps> to assist. Now you're seeing it, right? Oh, my gosh. To assist in childbirth. In the early days, the only way a baby could pass through the, the birth canal uh, before cesarean sections, even though it's named after Caesar a couple thousand years ago, 
Doctors would use a knife or a saw to remove some of the mother's pelvic bones. Oh, my God. And somebody invented a hand-cranked saw that is the father of the modern chainsaw. It was done just to help people like you, Tracy, give birth. Holy moly. Now I got you off track. Let's go back to what you were going to say. Please, rapidly. I'm so glad. I'm I'm letting you marinate in the origins of the chainsaw. While we, I'm going to tell you, um, you remember the the murder hornets that we heard about? Yes. Last year. Um, Well, the murder hornets, you don't need to worry about the murder hornets anymore. Worry about the giant parachuting Joro spider. Parachuting. Joro spider. Now you put that in the uh, in your internet's machine, your Google machine, and look at the Joro spider, J-O-R-O. Giant, it's now hitting the entire East Coast. It is a... Oh, a, gosh. It spins a web that it uses as a parachute to ride on the wind currents. Well, okay, they're not poisonous. No, they're not. They're just terrifying to see. Wow. Yeah, generally, the smaller the spider, the more deadly their venom is. And these guys have fangs that barely will pierce your skin. But they certainly are. You look at them, you just go, okay, uh, murder hornets up in the northeast, Jaro spiders on the east coast. Where is the Sharknado? Right now, we need a Sharknado. Yeah, the way the world is going, I think Sharknado is the way to go, to be honest. I really yeah. do. But you, if you see these, you'll see just how amazingly, wonderfully terrifying nature is. I'm going to put this in the show notes and everybody can go down there and they can click on it. And if there's anything that you would like me to include in the show notes, Michael Pelka, please let me know. Well, I, I just hope people um, understand that first shows are often a little clunky and I really have no idea what I'm doing here, people. But I'm trying to do it the <laughs> Did best. Did you have fun? I had I, in the words of Arthur, fun is the best thing to have. Did you have fun? Like, what'd you think before we go of the, the show today? Did you like it? No. I loved it. I loved it. See, I know. I can finish your sentences already, and it's only the first episode. It's frightening. It's frightening, isn't it? But I usually yell, I loved it! <laughs> no, it, it was, uh, it's, um, it's the launching pad. And we're just barely getting through the atmosphere. And once we get out into space, we will go many, many places. And we will have we will have fun with the politics. And promise me on Wednesday, we can get into a special segment. I, I have a title clip for it, if you're ready. I'm ready. What in God's name is Joe Biden trying to say? <laughs> That's what we're going to do. We're going to listen to things Joe Biden said. And try and figure out... What in God's name is Joe Biden trying to say? That's that's (laughs) my mission. I will do that with glee on Wednesday. (laughs) Guys, you have been listening to the very first Dark Delight podcast with Mike Opelka. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. We will be back on Wednesday. Giddy up. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. 
There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. Radio Influence.